ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Relationships Rule. I'm Janice Porter, your host, and my special guest this week is Joanne Linden. Joanne is coming to us from California, and I'm very excited to have this conversation with her because um, of how we met, actually. And uh, we'll get into that in a minute when I but I'd like to introduce Joanne to you. First of all, she is an educationalist, an author, a master trainer, and president of her company, Admin Universe. She is also the founder and facilitator of Ace Peer Learning Networks, a subsidiary of Admin Universe. Her background is all about executive assistants, being an executive assistant, which, and her experience goes back 30 years. She's been there, done that, knows all the stories about it. And I'm really excited to get into that with her. With most of her career, she was in the Silicon Valley and has worked with and been part of both successful startups and billion dollar corporations. And then she has switched over now to teach other people how to be the best admin assistant professional. And um, we'll get into that a little bit too. So first of all, welcome to the show, Joanne. Thank you, I appreciate the invitation. Oh, my pleasure. So I do want to start with how we met because this is proving my point to get time and time again. I love meeting new people and I also am a LinkedIn trainer. And so I'm trying to prove that by networking on LinkedIn, we can grow our businesses, we can make new connections that will lead us to other people that will lead us to new business. We never know until we actually talk to people. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I would, I reached out with a very basic, hey, I'm expanding my business to California, and a couple of other states, and would you be open to connecting? And you said yes. And then I went in with my next question, which was basically, um, uh, what can what can I find out about you that's not on your LinkedIn profile? And I gave you an example of something in my life that I had done that's kind of crazy. And you came back with an even better story. And that's what started the conversation. And so um, I think it speaks to... Um, uh, what an executive assistant is expected to do over and above anything else. If you don't mind sharing that little story with me. Oh gosh. Yes. It's probably one of the most um, fun experiences that I've had as an assistant. And like you said, it's, uh, I've been one for over 30 years, but this time um, my CEO had done a silent auction and won the bid to have a private concert from um, Crosby, uh, Crosby and Nash, right. uh, the Crosby Stills and Nash. Yeah. So he hadn't really heard of them. He wasn't. He's not from the United States. Uh, he wasn't born here. And so when he told me about it, I got very excited because <laughs> it was like they were like the backdrop of my youth. And yes. I, I you know, couldn't wait to get involved and find out what he needed me to do. 
And he basically said, I'm turning it over to you, you figure it out. So I contacted the um, handlers of them and, and uh, we put this a little concert together in my executive's backyard yeah. for about 20 people. And I was expecting this little acoustic uh, concert yeah. they show up in a semi-truck with all their equipment and and it was a huge undertaking and they were the most down-to-earth people I should say Nash was the most yes. down-to-earth person yeah. very congenial um you know just treated me like I was just as important as the CEO uh, the other, uh, Crosby, not so much, but you know, everybody's got their own quirks, but it was such an enchanting evening of watching these two interact with each other and to just mesmerize the audience with their, their songs. And it was obvious from the reactions in the audience that some of these people really, um, could connect with the songs from their youth mm -hmm. and how impactful it was for them. And, and we were told by their handlers, you know, don't interact with them. Uh, they're going to leave as soon as the concert's done. Not only did they not leave, but they interacted with everybody and spoke, talked to everybody. And, and um, Nash's wife invited us to come visit them in Hawaii. I mean, it was just, it was an amazing experience. Just so much fun. So apart from it being a, a one of a one once in a lifetime experience to bring it to the fact that, you know, as an executive assistant, you know, you're expected to basically do everything. It seems right. right. I mean, this is obviously something I would have never have done before or have experience oh. for. Um, but it's it's just figuring it out you know it, you're you're throwing these curveballs and it's like okay well whatever that takes i will make it work which is exactly what we did i, I mean i had to get um you know a limo uh, not a limo service a chauffeur type service to park cars a valet service valet, valet, valet service to yeah. park cars because he can only fit 10 cars in his driveway and we had 30 people coming. So we had to figure that out. And it, I mean, I had to work with the city to make sure we had permits to park on the other. It was way more than I would have ever thought, but it's so much fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. So when you're, so today in your world today, you are um, teaching executive assistants of today um, right. how to be the best at what they do. So how has the how has the role changed or has it from when you first started? I mean, it used to be you were a secretary and then you became a personal assistant or an executive assistant or an right. admin assistant and they kind of all got sorted out and separated. And someone, I mean, I, I know I, I mentioned to you when we first spoke um, my I, idea of an executive assistant based on somebody in Vancouver here that I know who was so loyal and so um, subservient to him for, I mean, she still is forever, you know, like, he, and he's 90 now. So um, it takes a certain kind of um, gift. And it, I, it's, I like, know, it's, it's like being a servant leader, right? Yes. Yes. You're, you're subservient, yet you are part of the leadership team now. Um, at least that's what I'm, I'm instilling in my, yeah. that that's the way it should be. 
because so many executives have never either had an assistant before or had that level of an assistant before. So they don't know what to ask them to do. So they just immediately go back to the, the um, tactical things, you know, answering phones, ans- checking email, scheduling, travel, you know, it's the trifecta of what an assistant does. But we are so much more uh, involved in the business now, or at least we should be, where we understand what the goals of the company are and helping our executive reach those goals, not just scheduling meetings on the calendar, but actually making sure that they're on top of their deadlines and that they're getting the information they need from their staff in order to move forward. And it's just so much more involved than it ever was before. And it's not everybody wants that yet, still, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. You know, there still are assistants who just want to do the basics. Mm -hmm. And there are still executives that don't want the assistants to be involved. So we're trying to break that barrier. It's it's a, you know, it's a slow um, transition, but we're getting there. And like you said, all the different title changes over the year, we're still struggling with that. We're Mm -hmm. still trying to figure out what a title is that will give us the respect that we deserve and have worked so hard for. Well, what I keep thinking about in today's world is as compared to what my thoughts are like 20, 30 years ago around executive assistance, I felt that my, my, my image is that back then um, the executive assistant was very protective of their executive and they were the uh, gatekeeper for more than just the phone calls and, and, you know, coming into the office, but really handled everything. Um, You know, ask my assistant, put it through my assistant. She'll let me know what, right. And that will now with that kind of um, responsibility and um, servant leadership, the youth of today they don't want to be that involved. They want to go home and go to their volleyball game or go out dancing or they don't want that extra load. It seems to me. So, but there's also that contingent of the ones coming in that want to make a difference that want to feel like they're making a difference in their company. So you, I mean, you have that in any generation, any field, you have the ones that just want to put their time in. You want yeah, that they're calling, work, the right? ones that they're calling quiet quitting right now is basically oh, yes. just doing, yes. you know, the bare minimum and, and yes. during the specific hours. And then you have the go-getters who are just trying to climb the ladder as fast as they can. They move from company to company, like one to two years, just to keep growing. Yes. If they're not, if they're not growing in one job they're leaving and going someplace else where they act where they can grow mm-hmm. so and when and i find it interesting that you use the term gatekeeper i really uh, don't like that term <laughs> what i prefer is the gateway nice because we are completely or should be completely um in control of the calendar, right? Nothing gets on the on the calendar unless we put it there. So we have to know what their priorities are, when those meetings should be on the calendar, when they shouldn't be on the calendar. Maybe somebody else should be taking the meeting. And so that's what I consider a gateway. The ones meetings that should be on there, get on there. Mm-hmm. The ones that shouldn't be, let me help you find somebody else that can help you with that. 
because he's not the appropriate or she is not the appropriate person to, to take that on. And I don't want to have you, you know, wait for what you need to move forward with what you need to do. So let's figure out what that is. Yeah. And, and, and if I'm supposed to apologize for that, I, I will, but that's the, that's kind of what's stuck in my head, right? From well, that's, that's the, no- yes, that's what people uh, immediately consider us are the gatekeepers. Right. Again, we're trying to break that mold and, and, you know, make the new terms a little bit more uh, aware out there. So in, in moving and changing the, um, descriptions, a definitive way of thinking of an executive assistant. Do you find that in your work, are you talking to executives who get it and and agree with you and they help you, you're training or you're educating them at the same time? Right. So I help small um, company CEOs hire their assistants. Some are for the first time, uh, first time assistant ever that they're having. And so I have to educate them on exactly what an assistant can do for them and make sure that they're in agreement with that because not everybody wants somebody to be looking in their email. They, they feel, you know, they need to build that trust first. Yeah. And so they're not ready to let go of those controls. You know, they're, they, they're so used to having their finger into everything that to let go of that is very hard. So I have to work them through that if you hire somebody who has that capacity or that experience, it'll be easy for you to, to relinquish that, that control, those tasks to them to do so that you can be more involved in growing your business, not in being in the business and making all, you know, sure that everybody's doing what they're doing should be doing. That's should be somebody else doing that for you. So it, it's educating them as well on how to use an assistant. Now, sometimes I have the, the, the executive say, yeah, that's exactly what I want. So I hire accordingly. The person gets in there and says, I've been here six months and I haven't done anything yet that he's that he you said he wanted me to do. He won't let go. He won't, um, you know, so they, they move on because it's like a bait and switch. You say all these things that you want and then you get in there and Either they they surprise you and say, hey, now I want you to do 50% personal work. It's like, well, that's not what you said in your job description. So no, that's not what I want. But if that's what you want in the beginning, let me know that so I can hire the right person who's willing to do that kind of thing. Right. And yeah, I mean, from what you're saying, it's it's the same um, um give and take piece that is hard for anybody in business, even a small business owner who finally hires a VA um, to do some of their work. They don't, they want to, but they don't really want them to, you know, be messing around in their emails or whatever it is that really want them to do. And they feel that no one can do it, but them. Right. Yeah. So that's a little bit different, but that, but it's the same thing of letting go or not letting go. That makes sense. Um, So. So is there now, I guess there's more than one job description then based on, you know, the, the executives. And now, do you find, I have to ask this question, um, because there aren't as many women executives as there are men executives. However, there's more than there used to be, which is yay. Um, do you find a difference, positive or negative, between the uh, male and female uh, executives? 
That's such a hard question to answer, Janice, because it's so individualized. I mean, I used to hear horror stories about women executives because they were trying to prove themselves and trying to um, take on um, male mannerisms and to the nth degree to make it so that they fit in there and didn't help promote other women, which I find astounding. but I think that's changed drastically the more that women are in the business, because I think a lot of the women that are in the business now have had women mentors help them get there. And so they're, they're understanding that they need to do that as well. So I think that that's not as much of a um, stigma as it used to be. They're still out there, but again, there's a lot of men out there that are difficult to deal with as well. They're bullies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there, it just depends. It, you can't, you know, put a, a, a blanket a, over it. No, exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, a few years ago, you wrote a book that I so love the title of that I have to talk about. And so it, you maybe you should tell us what it's called and, and what the book was about. Sure. It's called, and it's um, been out almost 13 years now and it's probably mm-hmm. selling just as much now as it was when it first came out. And it's called Sitting on a File Cabinet, Naked with a Gun, True Stories of CEO Assistants in Silicon Valley. And when my co-author and I first thought we wanted to write a book, because we were both about to embark on our training company, and we wanted to give ourselves some credence on why we should be doing that. So we thought, well, we should write a book. So we look, you know, legitimate. And we first started thinking, well, we'll just, you know, do a how-to book about how to be a great assistant. And then we thought, eh, there's so many books out there like that. Too many people have done that. Let's just do real stories. Because at the time, both of us belonged to an organization of CEO assistants. And at every meeting, we would hear these fascinating stories of, yeah. you know, how they saved the day or, you know, how they did something impossible. And, and we thought, well, these are the stories we want to hear. So we interviewed probably about 30 assistants and um, came up with these fascinating stories. And, um, but we also were, were using mentors to help us write the book. And somebody said, you really need to find a catchy title to really grab people's attention. And it just so happened that we were using a story. This is the only secondhand story in the entire book <laughs> where somebody told me about an assistant yeah. that was having a really bad day and had been putting in all these hours. And um, the next day, supposedly, the executive came in and she was sitting on a file cabinet naked with a gun. Now, whether or not that story is really true, we just found it fascinating and um and you know attention grabbing right yes we start the book with that story and um it's about how you know handle stress at the end of each chapter we have um points of wisdom Mm -hmm. of you know now that you've heard the story what are your takeaways from that story and how do you what do you use them how do you use them so is there another very memorable story from that book Oh my gosh. Um, there, there are so many. Um, I, well, just using one of my stories, uh, there is 
a time when I first started working with my last CEO, who I worked with for 20 years. I know. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, About six months into the job, I sent him to Taiwan and he was coming from a sales meeting in Hawaii, going from Hawaii to Taiwan. And I was using a new travel agent. So I wasn't familiar with how they had their itineraries. And I was working with our Taiwan office and they had all these dignitaries who were going to meet him in um, at the airport in Taiwan when he arrived. I mean, they were making a big splash about this. And after his trip, we did our debrief. He came back and I said, so how did the trip go? He said, it went fine, except that I didn't arrive until Monday and everybody was waiting for me at the airport on Sunday. So I arrived a day after and, you know, by that time, everybody was gone and it was in, oh, I was absolutely mortified by making such a, a rookie mistake. <laughs> and, uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. It was, it was just to this day, my worst mistake ever. you never, you never do that again. No. no. And that's probably one of the things that you teach to be careful of. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I use, in my training, I use all the mistakes that I've made because you learn more from your mistakes. Yes. You do from your, your triumphs. So I always. And you, can, and you can remember the ones that you made more oh. than other people. So that, that makes sense. That's, that's great. So um, I remember talking about, um, I don't know if I told you this, that I, that I um, uh, took a course once called your sacred gifts. And uh, okay, so this is like a personal development thing that I took and the sacred gifts, there are 24 sacred gifts and everybody basically has three or four or five of them. And my gifts are teaching, encouragement, knowledge, wisdom. And there's one more and I can't remember, but um, the examples that were used, like the woman that teaches this program, she's amazing. And she, of course, showed examples of people that were obviously in those, had those particular gifts. And she finds them all over the place in different videos and things. And you say, oh my God, of course, right? Wow. And and um, she talked about, um, well, we talked about the, the woman that I told you, who is still to this day, the executive assistant to Jim Pattison, who is the Canadian um, who's who, you know, I mean, he's done everything here and he, you know, his name's on every hospital and, and, you know, philanthropy project here. Anyway, um, when you see him, she's always there. Maureen, her name is, and she's probably just about as old as he is now. So I don't know. Anyway, um, but the gift that that person must have is, you know, that, that uh, servant leader thing that um, not needing to be in the spotlight, you know, being that number two person. And it takes a certain kind of person. When you see these people that you teach, can you tell if they maybe think this is for them, but you know, it's not going to be, or can you, do those, do those traits come out in the people, in the people that you teach? Well, Luckily, the people who do go through my course have already made that commitment to be, to want to be better and to learn and continue learning. So I, I, I don't very, now in the beginning, when I was first teaching it at my company, it was kind of a mandatory thing. So I, I did get some people who, who went through 
And I could tell, you know, by their body language, it's like, you just try to teach me something. Just, I dare you <laughs> uh, because I think they know it all. Yeah. And so, but by the end of the course, you can see their body language change. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. There are some things I don't know. And, and so it's, it's just so uh, encouraging for me and so rewarding for me to, to watch people um, kind of, it's almost like seeing a light bulb go off above their head. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. I didn't know I had such value to my, to mm. my company or my executive. I didn't know I could do that. Um, I didn't know I had a voice uh, mm. or that they would listen to me if I made a suggestion. Oh, heaven forbid I should make a suggestion. Well, that's um, a good point. That's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. To, to be afraid to speak up when you can see the writing on the wall or how you can make things uh, uh, stop something before it happens and is a disaster or that kind of thing. Yeah. So I would imagine that that has to start right at the beginning, the relationship between the, um, the new um, executive assistant and their boss yeah. has to develop with an open um, uh, attitude and um, understanding before it goes too far, because otherwise it won't be uh, successful. Well, considering I was with my CEO for 20 years, the first six months, I thought I made a mistake. Oh, okay. I thought, you know, this is not the, um, the partnership that I expected. Uh, he's not sharing with me. He's not including me in things. Um, I feel like, you know, may, I, I, I should start looking again. And so I did. And mm-hmm. I probably was looking for about uh, three or so months, nothing was clicking. And, um, and for, for some reason, it just, our relationship changed. Maybe he sensed that I was not happy or I was looking and all of a sudden he was, um, giving me information that I was, uh, hoping for from the beginning. Um, he was asking for my, my insight, my advice. I mean, it was like night and day. Hmm. happened. And I'm not really sure why it changed. In fact, I had the conversation with him years later. It's like, what happened? All of a sudden, We didn't have it in the beginning. And then all of a sudden, and I, I think it was just getting that trust factor established um, before he was willing to, to let go. Mm. Yes. Well, and that's what it's all based on. But, you know, you said a partnership. I never thought of it as a partnership in that way, like an equal partnership. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're trying to teach your um, students, right? Is that it's not a subservient relationship. Right. Um, right. And yeah, well, I guess that, that depends on things like salary as opposed to, <laughs> you know, to think well, of it. You, you know, know, you can have any salary and still be a partner. Um, because I know, you know, smaller companies can't pay the big bucks and, right. but you can still have that part, partnership. And, and I, I try to instill in the executive and the assistant that the meetings that you have together should be the most important meeting of your day mm. when you meet with your assistant, because they're the ones that are pushing things forward. They're the ones that are making, you know, the wheels work behind the scenes and they can't, push you forward without the information they need from you. So um, 
because I, I see assistants always putting themselves last. Like I'll take myself off the calendar because there are so many more important meetings than me that should go on the calendar. And that's such a mistake because once you start doing that, eventually those meetings go away entirely. And, and then the relationship starts to deteriorate. So um, they have to make sure that they're always putting themselves first and that the executive understands that too. Yeah, I, a few years ago, um, my sister used to work in a company in California um, that was a, uh, they were, it was called Celebrity Source. And it was before the internet and digital media took over. And they, the uh, person that owned the company and my sister, they booked celebrities for special events. Uh-huh. And that's what they did. You know, Disney would call them. They need these people and their kids to be at this premiere. And so they'd have to find them and, you know, all of these different things they do. And so they were always dealing with publicists and personal assistants in that world. So one time um, I was asked if I would come and speak to this personal assistance association that my sister's boss was part of because they support the personal assistance of these they if they get to know them they can get to the stars right so i went to speak to this association in california it was about send out cards actually as as a tool for for um some of them to use and um and they were a certain type of people too you know like they were especially if you're going to be that personal assistant to a celebrity you have to um you know um be uh see what is it like you can see everything but not you you see it but you don't talk about it or you you know all of these things that you that's another type of uh, role that's different in that you don't have to have the the business skills the same way but you certainly have to have the same um what's the word um this uh discretion yeah discretion yeah Yeah. So I I always found that I remember that it was fascinating. So you today, you have another book that's out called Leveraging Up that came out, I think, earlier this year. Yes, it was about a year ago now. Okay. Okay. um, So that one came about. uh, It was generated from the uh, blogs that I was doing over the last few years. And we decided it was when things were kind of slow during COVID and I kind of put a, a stop on training for a little while because I thought, you know, we'll wait until COVID's over and then we'll go back to training. So I paused my training and I thought, mm-hmm. well, this is a good time to figure out what blogs had the most um, readership. Mm-hmm. And then we um, put them in categories mm-hmm. uh, of different chapters. So several, you know, we would take several blogs and, and kind of um, wrap them into uh, one chapter because they all kind of tie into get to, to each other at that way. And I include some of my personal stories again, um, but it was a way to just capture some of those um, moments, some of those stories, some of those learnings and teachings um, into one book. And, um, and I thought it, it took me four and a half years to write that first book. And I thought, oh, you know, this will be a breeze. Um, we'll get this done like that because all the content's already yeah. there. We just have, well, you know, it took us a year. <laughs> um, what I thought would be a couple months was a year, but it it was uh, something that was totally my own. 
instead of having to share it with a um, co-author, it was something that um, actually myself and my husband produced. Oh, so cool. it felt very satisfying to, to have that as uh, something we could point out and say, hey, we did that together. Very cool. That's for, uh, And so do you, um, those are both on Amazon, both your books, right? Or on, right. And also on your website, I think. Yes, they are. Or they click through to, um, yeah. Yes. Um, so what would you say is um, maybe are maybe the three top things that somebody should look for when they're hiring an assistant? So we'll say an executive assistant, but I think that truly, as I said, anybody looking to bring someone in to help them, it there's things they have to look for. Well, it's hard to narrow down to three. Okay, five. No, there, <laughs> and there are so many. Yeah. I, I think you just mentioned discretion and confidentiality because we're dealing with so much information on a daily basis. Um, sometimes it's personal about the executive. Sometimes yeah. it's strategic about the company. So definitely that. I think you need to look for somebody who has who is a problem solver, right? You they you don't want somebody who comes to you and say. Um, hey, this is what's happening. What should I do? Yes. You want somebody to come to you and say, this is what's happening. Here are two things, two or three things that we can do to solve that. Which one do you think we should do? Perfect. I think it should be this one. That's huge. What a problem solver, yeah, right? That's huge, I think. Yeah, problem yeah. solver. Yeah. You want somebody who can be flexible and not rigid about how things are done because things change on a dime every day. You cannot expect to go in and have your to-do list and to have it go exactly as you thought it was going to go that day. You have to be able to just turn on a dime when, you know, the whole world blows up in front of your face the minute you walk in the door. <coughs> so you have to be some, have somebody who's flexible and, and able to, um, to pivot with that. Uh, so those are three definite things. Um, you, you definitely want somebody who can get along with people. And I know that's your whole premise, right? Is relationship building. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to be able to work with every level of the company from the CEO down to the receptionist mm -hmm. or the janitor and treat them exactly the same with the exact same respect as you would, because you never know when you're going to need to call, ask, for a favor from anybody at any level. So you need to be able to make those, all those relationships um, work. Yeah, those are really good actually. Discretion, be a problem solver, um, be flexible mm -hmm. and build relationships in, you know, in a positive way because um, it's all about people really in the end. Yeah, it's Absolutely. true. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, I like to um, ask my my guests uh, about my favorite word, curiosity. And I would like to ask you this question um, as well as my guest. It's a two-parter. Uh -huh. And um, the first part is, do you believe that curiosity is innate or learned? And part two is, what are you most curious about these days? <laughs> um, I think it's learned. Okay. Uh, because... Obviously, some people just have it in their nature to be curious, but I think in, especially in my profession, if you don't have that as something that you're 
that's in in uh, you're in born with or whatever. Um, you have to nurture that because you, you need to be able to ask the right questions. You need to understand why things happen the way they do. I, in, in part of my training, I like to tell the assistants that if your executive is making a decision, you need to understand why they made that decision, not to question why they did it that way, but to understand why they did it that way so that eventually you can make the decisions on their behalf but you have to understand how they think. So you have to be curious enough to understand and ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. I think being a really good assistant is knowing how to ask the right questions. And that's curiosity. Yes. Some, now some people just don't care. It's like, yeah, I'm just doing my job. Just yeah. putting in the hours and I don't need to know what's going on. I don't care. But the ones who really want to get ahead, they're the ones that are going to be asking the questions all the time. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so what are you most curious about today? Oh, gosh. Um, I just, <laughs> I think it's just watching the evolution of what's going on in our country. Mm. And um I try to listen to all sides to, so that I can have a, a, an educated viewpoint of what's happening. So I, I think the curiosity is, is just watching what's going on in the world and trying to be better educated in a way that I can have a, an educated conversation with somebody and not just say, well, so-and-so said this, I wouldn't have my own opinion. So it's the curiosity of listening to everything so that I can form those opinions. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, I've talked to so many people over the last little while who have moved to another location because I find Americans move a lot more than Canadians. Mm -hmm. They just do. And, you know, someone I talked to yesterday was a California girl who's in North or South Carolina. Um, I think she was in Connecticut, then South Carolina, which is so different than California. Right. And, and one thing she said to me was, um, that she liked, I said, are you getting used to the climate there? Because it's more humid, I think, in the East Coast. Yes. Right? And she said, yep, I'm getting used to it and the politics and the, because it's so different here, right? And you yeah. don't want to get into that with somebody because it's everybody's got their own personal thing. But it's so prevalent today that that becomes part of the conversation because it's so on the surface with everybody, yes. right? Yes, yeah. Yes. And um, more so in this with Americans than Canadians. But uh, but, you know, just seeing um, our beloved queen just dying, you right. know, recently, um, that's also put another a layer here as well that people are talking about. So, yeah, it's just it's definitely a different world out there today. So I can see that I can see being curious about that. And I, I appreciate your answer. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so before we wrap up, I want to know if um, from your perspective to my audience who are, you know, mostly business owners and, and um, smaller business owners, but um, again, some of them have people that work for them. And so do you have any, any wisdom around, you know, something you want to leave as, a, as an important piece around how you see business and in from your perspective with knowing you know teaching um ed, um assistants executive assistants and so on i guess it's really being aware of 
where they want to take their business and how they want to grow their business and and relinquishing that control and letting other people in. It doesn't necessarily even have to be an assistant to do that, but you, you can only do so much on your own and you can only take it so far before you have to understand that in order to reach those goals and you have to know what your goals are. If you haven't sat down and done a five-year plan, you're definitely already behind the eight ball. You're, 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 you're not going to grow. You're, you're not going to get anywhere. So um, just knowing what your goals are and how that, how you're going to reach those goals, who you're going to hire to help you reach those goals. Cause you're not going to do it yourself. Yeah, that's good advice. Thank you. Thank you. So it was a pleasure. I really appreciate the time you've spent with us. And I hope that my audience also sees some um, uh, value in what we talked about, because I certainly did. And again, um, if someone wants to get hold of you, Joanne, where's the best place? Um, Either through my website, adminuniverse.com. Okay. Or my email, which is should be on the website as well, which That's is right. linden at adminuniverse.com. Okay, and I will put that in the show notes. So thank you again. And your books are both on Amazon and on your website, Leveraging Up being the current one and sitting on a file cabinet naked with a gun (laughs) is the older one, which I love. I think that's great. So thank you so much for your time again. And thank you to my audience for listening. If you liked what you heard, please let us know by leaving a review. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.